hour number four of the Bill Michael Show. Good to have you on board today. Uh, the expectations for this Green Bay Packers team, now that you've had a glimpse of good, you've had a glimpse of bad, they reverted against the New York Giants, or uh, against the New York Giants. So, Thomas says, I really don't know what Packer team I'm going to see on Sunday. We're going to talk about that coming up here in just a little bit. We'll talk with uh, Mike Clemens, who is uh, in Green Bay. We'll talk with Mike. Uh, Jeff says, hey, Bill, uh, you sound a little bit better. Hopefully you're healing well. Maybe some R&R this weekend is needed. Yeah, tonight um, tonight we have a going away party. Um, and I said before we got to make an appearance. That we're going to go, and I'm, I just – I'm going to hang in as long as I can. You know, it's one of those things where if you start to kind of feel bleh, run down. Last night was funny because we went to dinner at about 5, 5.15-ish. And went to dinner, had a, had a terrific dinner, got home at 7.30, built a fire uh, up in the, the bedroom in the fireplace, and thought, well, I'll lay down and watch the game. You know, just kind of rest a little bit. All of a sudden, I realized I woke up. It was like 8.30. I must have fallen asleep. 8.30, quarter to 9.00. Fell asleep, woke up, the game was over. Um, went back to bed and slept through the entire night until like 8 this morning. So I, it was a, a night needed of rest, so we'll see how tonight goes. But I'm looking forward to the weekend. Uh, the R&R, yes, but there's some really meaningful football tomorrow. You know? There's meaningful football. I can't wait for tomorrow. No reason to get up early. Take it easy. I think Kristen wants to go to the gym. Maybe I'll do that. You know, just maybe just walk on a treadmill or something. I don't want to do too much. But just take it easy. Do a little Christmas shopping tomorrow. Tomorrow night, dinner at home, wrapping gifts, sliding them under the tree, build a fire in the fireplace and watch football. And then go to bed early and get ready for the uh, game on Sunday. That That's pretty much the weekend. Hopefully it happens that way. The best laid plans, you know what I mean? But uh, Jake... Jake said, hey, are you going to be heading down to Nice Ash this weekend? My friends are going to be in town. We're thinking about heading down there. No. And the other reason is is that with what I've got going on in my head and chest, I, I just can't do a cigar right now. Just can't do it. So There you go. Um, Dean says, uh, they are who we thought they were. A 500 team this year, but there is potential that stands out as long as we shore up our play calling on both sides of the ball. I think they're better than a 500 team. I do. I think it would be disappointing if they don't end up with at least nine wins. I really do. They go nine and eight. Okay. It's a couple of wins better than I thought they would be, especially against the two teams that they beat being uh, Kansas City and Detroit. It's funny because, you know, the win over the Chargers doesn't look like a good win. Detroit, the way they've kind of regressed, doesn't look like a great win. Kansas City, the way they've kind of regressed, doesn't look like a great win. The loss, a competitive loss on the road to Denver that we thought was a terrible, terrible opportunity, lost, doesn't look like a bad loss because Denver certainly has come on. That was the that was the springboard, basically. Um, so, but I... But again, and this is, uh, you know, reading uh, Michael's email, but again, I, you, you just win the games that are ahead of you. I, it, it was a good win. It was a good win against Detroit on Thanksgiving Day in front of a 
one of the largest audiences in a long time ever to, to watch that game. That was a good win. I'm not taking anything away from them because the Lions aren't playing great football right now. Maybe, maybe the Packers did something to expose the Lions. I know that Kansas City has struggled offensively, but that's not a bad, that's, that's not a bad win. They're the defending champs, for God's sakes. I'll take that. Paul says, I had them in 8-9 and nine in the preseason, now 10-7. and seven. They have already impressed us more than I first thought. I'm thankful for the season. Uh, a few new pieces next year. Guess it's two or three more wins. Go Pack. Paul, you're probably right. I had them at seven wins, but uh, if they end up I – mean, I said seven plus, plus or minus a game. So if they end up with nine wins, that's really good. That's, that's better than what I thought they would be, and it's outside of my normal realm. And if they get to 10, then that's, that's a really impressive season because that means they went out on a high note, they won, and they're guaranteed. I, I guarantee you they get to 10 wins during the postseason. Guarantee it. No doubt. Sorry, I sniffed in the uh, <laughs> in the uh, microphone. Just kind of felt like I had to. I don't like to do that. Uh, but no, I I completely agree. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Steve says, uh, "Hey Bill, I think the Packers are going to end up with ten wins. I think they win out. They end on a roll." He says, "Going into the postseason is going to be a coin flip. If they face Philadelphia, I think they're going to beat." The Eagles, if they face the 49ers, they get beat by 10. If they face Dallas, it's a coin flip. See, I don't think so. I think out of the teams right now of those three, I think the Eagles are probably the most vulnerable. I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are a coin flip. What I will say, though, is Dak has got to win at least two games this postseason. Has got to. Now, if they end up winning the division, say they end up with the number one seed, then two games will put you in the, in the Super Bowl. But if they're not the number one seed, he's got to win. He's got to at least get that team to an NFC Championship game for this season to be considered successful for Dak. Because Dak just doesn't have postseason resume. Dak beats up on bad teams. Dak plays a couple of good games against good teams and then gets to the postseason and craps the bet. And Dak Prescott... As much as Mike McCarthy needs this season and needs this postseason, Dak Prescott, in my opinion, needs it more. He needs it more. Unless, of course, it comes down to a bad coaching decision on Mike's part or bad clock management. You know what I mean? But it has been, at times, a comedy of errors for Dak Prescott when he gets to the postseason. And San Francisco has certainly been his bugaboo. That's why this game coming up against Josh Allen – Josh Allen and company, this is they're already in the playoffs. They have to win or they're not going to end up in the postseason. And Josh Allen's considered to be at least in the running for an MVP. Now, I don't think he's going to win it. But if Josh Allen plays Josh Allen football, and I'm talking the good side of Josh Allen, the rest of the way, he could end up being the MVP because he would then have started off poorly. They make a change at the offensive coordinator position. They allow him to be more Josh-esque, and then – off and running he goes, and then he leads him to the postseason, I, I think Josh could win the win the MVP, especially if he beats Dak and if Dak stubs his toe once or twice down the stretch. Let's go to Ed listening to us in Madison. Ed, how you doing today, man? What's going on? I'm great, man. I hope you're, you're journeying through your day. You sound like me a couple weeks ago. I hope you yeah. uh, have a fast recovery. I'll be good. takes a while, but I'll be good. Yeah, man. Hey, uh, good hot tea and maybe a few uh, – maybe uh, – a little, a little, uh, a little brandy with that tea. 
Yeah, uh, metal, metal. I have to do that. Hey, um, unit, I, you know, I think this is the perfect year for the Packers because the way the, I don't know if you want to call it parity, but the up and down season for a lot of teams has really benefited the Packers because this, it, this has been one of the craziest NFL seasons, I, you have to agree, ever. I mean, the ones that are supposed to dominate aren't dominating unless you're a San Francisco 49er and maybe Dallas. And then, so for the Packers to get to their nine or ten, I think this could be the perfect, you want to call it the perfect situation for, for um, George Love um, and maybe even for a defensive coordinator. I, you know, it, it, I, I agree with you about Jordan Love. I mean, this could really set up really, really well for him. I, I just, I'm really anxious to see how he bounces back from Monday night's performance. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do, and I think he will. I just think he, he's showing, he's just showing that he's growing with the team. And I love, I don't, I love the team we have because everybody says, well, you need to have veteran leadership. But we had veteran leadership last year even the year before, and look how we suffered through the season. The veterans never stepped up, really, and I think creating new veteran um, leadership is the way to go, and I think with this youth growth that the Packers have, I think is awesome. Um, I just want to chime in on one thing, and I'll let you go. Um, sure. MVP. I think it should go to I, – I don't – it really – it's hard for me to even fathom that Brock Purdy could become the – NFL MVP. I think Dak Prescott, if I had my vote, I just think he's showing so much growth as a quarterback. I just think Brock Purdy is falling into that systematic kind of quarterback. Um, I, I don't know. That's just my, maybe it's because I'm a 40 whiner hater, um, but um, I just think Dak Prescott would be a better MVP candidate. What do you think? I yeah, That's a great question. appreciate the phone call. I look at it this way. Okay, Dak Prescott, he's got talent to throw to. He's got CeeDee Lamb and company, and they, they don't have as good a running game as what Brock Purdy does. But Brock Purdy, let me give you the, 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 the comparisons here. Brock Purdy has thrown for 3,553 yards. Dak Prescott, 3,505. So about 50 yards difference. His average pass play, Dak Prescott, is 7.8 yards per pass play. Brock Purdy is 9.9. Yards per game, Dak Prescott, 269. Brock Purdy, 273. Touchdowns, Brock Purdy has thrown 25. Dak Prescott has thrown 28. Interceptions, Brock Purdy has thrown 7. Dak has thrown 6. Completion percentage, Brock Purdy's completion percentage is 70.2%. Dak Prescott is 69.3, so very close. Quarterback rating is 116.9 for Brock Purdy, 107.5 for Dak Prescott. Here's the difference. Dak Prescott has attempted 100 more passes than Brock Purdy. Now, that's the run game because they've got Christian McCaffrey. Dak Prescott doesn't. But Brock Purdy has done all of that in 100 less passes, which is the reason Brock Purdy has to get consideration. Has to, right? Has to. Uh, The other guy that's right there is Tua. Two has also got 24 touchdowns. He's got 10 picks, four more interceptions. His quarterback rating is 104.8, but he's also thrown for 70%. C.J. Stroud has thrown for the most 300 and uh, or 3,631 yards, which 
when you talk about the, all these guys listed here, the only guy that's thrown for more is Tua at 3,697 yards, so 60 yards more basically. But he's got 20 touchdowns and only five picks and a quarterback rating of 98.7. So C.J. Stroud could work, could work his way into that. You know, then you get into Josh Allen and what he's done this year and a quarterback rating of 93 and 25 touchdowns and 14 picks and the 14 picks would cost him. But Brock Purdy has done, if you add another 100 passes to Brock Purdy, who knows how many touchdowns that guy would already have. I just, Brock Purdy gets penalized because of the talent around him. And I don't know if he should. Brock Purdy was not supposed to be this, and he is, and he had this is his first full season in the NFL when it comes to playing quarterback. He got thrown into the mix last year because of injury and just was fantastic and has been ever since. I I want to let the rest of the season play out, but I, I my front runner would be Brock Purdy at this point. My front runner and don't forget, they went through that three game stretch where he didn't play that great. And they lost three games. I think Brock Purdy would be my front runner right now, but Dak has the ability to change my mind coming up down the stretch because he's got some tougher games to go. Let's do this. Mike Clement's going to join us when we come back. Stay tuned. We got more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up right after. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Oh, I need a window. Maybe it's cold outside. So where do I go? Come on, Santa. Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle that stays in my pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why not make a New Year's resolution today? That's the spirit, Santa. Pella now, pay later. (laughs) Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offer ends Good to have you. As always. Bring in our guy uh, up in Lambeau. Our guy Mike Clemens now joining us uh, on the hotline. And uh, Mike, I, I guess, uh, you know, first and foremost, we start out with uh, the uh, the injury report, only for the fact that there's quite a few guys that are nicked up, especially this time of year. A.J. Dillon obviously dealing with a broken thumb, but... Looks like he's going to try to give it a go. Yeah, by the way, now, is, is, should I be drinking Tom and Jerry's, or what should I have if I start getting a sore throat like you? <laughs> I, I have the, the hot, hot toddy. Hot water the hot honey. toddy. Hot, 
Yeah, hot water and honey is what I've been doing on the air every day. So I've I, I tell you what, uh, I can put out fires by peeing now. So I'm 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 good in that area. <laughs> yeah, I've got you know, so much water. Though, in me. Uh, when I would get like a sore throat and I had to go actually sing or uh, do a radio show or something, my I got the best advice ever. And she said, "Do you just ever have some salt water?" I'm like, "What? What kind of crazy?" To me, it, it's got to be something over the counter, right? And right. So and so she made the water really warm and hot, and dumped a bunch of salt and said, "Here, gargle." And it's like, "Oh my God!" It instantly took away a sore throat in the back of the throat. That was like my 80-year-old grandmother at the time. Because you know what? She, back in the 20s and 30s or whatever, when she was playing piano and singing and stuff, that's all that they had. You couldn't go to the wall right. and get some stuff. But, you know, hot water and some salt, if you're on the air and you start getting a really bad sore throat, that takes away the pain for at least a half hour. Yeah. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of pain, okay, you're Jordan Love, and Aaron Rodgers moves on, and you say, don't, don't worry, kid. We'll, we'll, we've got your back. Look, we've got David Bakhtiari, left tackle for you. We got Aaron Jones, you know, and A.J. Dillon in your backfield. And then Christian Watson, you saw him stand out there and do a great job last season and the last year with Aaron Rodgers. We're going to be just fine. <laughs> and sure. each week they keep taking these guys away from them. They take away your left tackle. They take away Aaron Jones. They take away Christian Watson. And now you got A.J. Dillon showing up with a broken right thumb. And so we asked him, how he broke it. He said it happened on the final drive against the Giants, and he's you know trying to carry the ball. A linebacker takes his helmet and crushes his right hand and breaks the thumb. And so we were talking. Talk, he was nice enough to talk to us at his locker, and you can hear Aaron Jones give him a shout out there because he knows everyone's going to go to AJ Dillon and say, "What's that thing on your hand?" Hey, Jay, how you feeling, buddy? <laughs> oh, you know me, man. <laughs> Sometimes for broken thumbs, they have to put go in there and put something in. Is that going to be required or not? Uh, you know, we're just taking it day by day. Uh, just trying to see, you know, how I'm feeling as it's going and stuff like that move forward. So it was on the last drive? Uh, you know, I got hit. You know, just routine plays. Football just, you know, that's how it goes. Uh, got hit with a helmet, lined up the right way, it just not right enough, whatever. Um, and then we called another run play after that. <laughs> you know, Mike, it's, that's why it's so imperative they get Aaron Jones back. He's got a, a, you know, a touchdown in two of his last three games against Tampa Bay where he's been able to actually put the ball in the end zone. And does it look like he's going to be back? Well, we don't know. We talked to A.J., though, more about this because yesterday – He's wearing one of these small black gloves, kind of like you see the MMA fighters with, you know, yeah. wrapped around his palm and the back of the right thumb. But, you know, let's remember football one-on-one. If you line up in the backfield before, uh, behind Jordan Love, and your first assignment, your main assignment, is to carry the damn football. Now, if you line up and you're in eye formation, if you're going to run to his right, how do you receive the ball? You put your right hand up. And you put your lower hand below, and I would think that the you know the best hand needs to be the one carrying from the bottom up, right? The other one you can just sort of rest it on top. So this means with a broken right thumb, he can really only receive the ball if he's running to the left of Jordan Love, which might be kind of easy to key on. But in the meantime, Dylan today now he's out there with something that looks more like a club on on the thumb, and so we asked him, does he typically shift the ball? You know, you. 
obviously you do when you're running back. Depending if you're running to the left or running to the right, you move the ball from left to right while you're trying to have ball security the whole time. I move the ball um, pretty much, you know, you move the ball, you're taught from a young age based on, like, how you're making the pocket. Normally the bottom hand takes it. That way you have less less uh, availability with that the up top hand just having nothing underneath it. So, you know, that's just kind of like running back 101. And then from there, you know, you don't switch in traffic. If you get to the open space, you move it to the outside hand. Um, but, you know, I try to pride myself in ball security. So. You know, and, and I hope that that pays off. And, again, you know, if uh, I know that Aaron Jones is still questionable. I know that he wasn't going to come back. I just had a feeling he was not going to come back and play against the Giants. You just didn't want him on that turf where other players have gotten hurt. You didn't want him at MetLife. That's why I'm a little hopeful that he's back in this contest. Yeah, well, you know, we see Aaron Jones out there limited, you know, trotting around with a helmet and pads and doing some individual drills. And you think that when they kick us out and they start running plays, is he actually going to do some stuff? with 11 on 11. He's got an MCL sprain. You know, and you think back to this. Remember his rookie season, like 2017. He got out there, he had a fumble, and then McCarthy benched him, you know. Uh-huh. So, but then other people were like saying, even including Aaron Rodgers, get this Aaron Jones kid back in there. He's good, man. Because there was Jamal Williams. You know, that's when they took three running backs in there, and Jamal Williams was their main guy. Well, finally they get Jones back in there, and then he starts bursting with speed and, and showing a lot of flash until he what? Had an MCL, which pretty much put him out for the rest of the year in 2017. He's had like five or six of these now, including when he's at UTEP in college. And he was asked, you know, which one is it this time? Well, it's the other one, from, different from the one I had last year. So he's had a variety of these MCLs. And you're thinking about the actual pain and what it takes to, to, to go through this. He said the one that he had before was off the femur bone. And the, the one he's got right now is got a sprain off the tibula. And so we asked him, well, so what's the difference between those two? When it's off your t- from your tibia, like when, whenever your leg's off the ground, it just feels like it's just like hanging there. Um, when it's off the femur, you, you, you may feel that like your knee open a little bit, but it's a little more secure. You can, you're able to lift your leg up off the ground. Um, you're able to do a little bit more. That's kind of gruesome sounding, to be honest with you. It sounds painful. It sounds yeah. like, you know, for most people, doing stairs would not be a good idea for quite a while. No, so no I would agree. You, that sounds painful. So you've got number 27 back in there, Patrick Taylor. Uh, that's a kid that I've always liked, just in terms of hard-nosed, you know, carries his lunch pail to work every day, kind of like a, an A.J. Dillon. But, you know, I swear to you, there was – and but he's been in this revolving door. I mean, Goody – Puts him on the practice squad. You know, they, they, they went with Emmanuel Wilson, the kid out of Georgia, who's now on IR with that uh, shoulder injury. Uh, and so then they would elevate Patrick. They put him in a game. He mostly do special teams. And then they'd release him, and they'd go back. A revolving door, like three times this season. Until they finally had to put him back up when Wilson went down. And I saw Patrick. I was following him because I'm trying to watch what these special teams are doing. Assignments and different stunts that maybe Basachi is doing. And here's Patrick lining up on a, on a kickoff return, and he's off to the left-hand side. Keyshawn's taking it up, and then I see him just kind of whiff, and it, it, he tries really hard, but he, he just does dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he does, like, like last week against the Giants. Here he's got some carries, and he runs hard. 
But then it's like, dude, you know, you're under a minute here. What? Get out of bounds. Instead, he's, why is he still in bounds? And so we talked to him about that. And he, I thought he was pretty honest. We said, when you finally have the ball and you're trying to add yards and you're not trying to pay attention, you know, you're not paying attention to the clock, he talked about that play. As a running back, your coach preaches like, you know, fighting for extra yards and, and things like that. Um, it's, it's extremely hard not to uh, stay in bounds and start to try to fight for extra yards. But in situations such as that one, uh, with, with it being about like 24 seconds left, got to get out of bounds right there. They are thin at running back. If, uh, you know, obviously A.J. Dillon's going to be hampered with the broken thumb, and if Aaron Jones can't play, and, you know, you're going with some youth and inexperience back there, Kenyon Drake's kind of it. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I, how confident are they, Mike? Yeah, well, we, we talked to Patrick Taylor also some more about this. Is the fact that, you know, I think Patrick Taylor's a guy like, wow, they called my number. Okay, I'm getting the ball. You're so much into the play that you've forgotten to think about the situation, too. You know, right. You've forgotten to look at the look at the clock or the downs or to to kind of get that in your head. So we asked him, does Matt Lafleur have a cutoff point? You know, because these guys, you know, all the time they're they're taught how to get extra yards, how to fall forward, get extra yards, get extra yards. But then there's got to be a switch where it says get out of bounds, get out of bounds. And we asked him, what's the difference? When does Lafleur say, okay, stop worrying about gaining yards, stop thinking about getting out of bounds? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so sometimes we preach yards over time. Um, when we were at that uh, minute and, I don't know, like 35 seconds and say we got two timeouts left, uh, we preach yards over time. Uh, but as soon as we start to get under that 50-second mark, um, we should start getting out of bounds and things like that. Um, it's just, like I said, just on my part, it's just been a lack of focus. Um, I, I'm sure he'll get focused really quick in the next, uh, you know, well, if he hasn't already this week, but in the next 24 hours, that's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, get get a radio helmet for him so you can tell him what right. to do. But, uh, yeah, you mentioned about Kenyon Drake. So I got a feeling that, you know, at some point, Goody, well, first of all, you always try and pick up the best guy you can off the street and replace with somebody on your practice squad. Kenyon Drake was uh, actually drafted by the Dolphins in 2016. He was there like three years. He's played for the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Ravens, and they signed him December 5th, eight years in the NFL. He's got 3,800 yards total in his career, rushing 33 touchdowns, and he's returned 41 kickoffs. So he's a veteran, 28, Mm -hmm. 29 years old, and now he may be your number two back. And LaFleur talked about, are you confident about putting Drake now in the backfield Sunday with Patrick Taylor behind Jordan Love? Kenyon's relatively new to our system, but I think he's a pro and he's handled himself accordingly since the day he got here. He's put in the time. I think he's got a pretty good understanding. He's been around a lot of ball, so I think it's easier, I would say, to acclimate in a, in a timely fashion for guys that have been around a lot of different places. And I've got no reservations about him. Obviously, PT's done a lot of good things for us. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll roll how we need to roll. There you go. Let's do this. We'll step away. Mike Clem is joining us on the hotline. Got a lot more. Two more full segments left to go of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. In the heart of downtown Milwaukee. 
there's an all-new Pottawatomie Casino Hotel, where there's a table waiting for you at 12 bars and restaurants, a winning seat at 40 table games or 3,000 slot machines, plus the thrill of bingo, full-service sports betting, and more. Are you ready to spark something new? Light up your senses at Pottawatomie Casino Hotel. Explore more at PaysBig.com. Talking with our guy, Mike Clemens. Got him on the line. And, uh, Mike, you know, the the offense, as we talked about in the first segment here, banged up. Running back position banged up. We all know that. They've got issues, defensively speaking, too. I mean, you're waiting for Jair to come back. Obviously, they've had guys in and out of that secondary uh, for a good portion of the second half of the season as well. This is a pretty banged-up football team in that sense. Yeah, but Corey Ballantyne has done a great job as a guy coming off the street, 27 years old, with four or five different teams' experience. And then Carrington Valentine, in number 37, mm-hmm. the Energizer Bunny. Unbelievable energy, hanging around the locker room and, and, and whatnot. Speed, but he's made some mistakes. Now, one included in the final drive. The Giants get the ball back, and Tommy Cutlets, DeVito. Why did they call him Cutlets? Something because he he reviewed some Italian restaurant or something like that. Yeah. Did you, you know? Anyway, he does this, that. You know. He reviews Italian food, and maybe that's the reason they did it. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> know the specific, but yeah, he reviews Italian food in restaurants. Or Mr. Cutlets there is, you know, moving the ball down the field in the wind, uh, whereas, you know, Jordan Love had uh, went three turnovers, the one uh, interception, he had a fumble, et cetera. Um, so Carrington Valentine, he's lined way the hell off the line. And, you know, uh, Tommy Cutslitz is looking for a first down to try to move the ball down the field, maybe get in for what turned out to be a winning field goal. And Darius Slayton, this dude just lines up left, man, and, and he gets the first down like we're, like no one's covering him. What mm-hmm. are you doing? So we talked to Valentine. Did he know that the Packers were six-point favorites over the Giants on Monday Night Football and how that game went? I didn't even know we was favorites, honestly. Um, I don't focus on that. I mean, I just go in and give every opponent the, the respect. I mean, it hurt, but we back to the drawing board, honestly. Um, You're going you gonna to watch the tape and learn from it and uh, move on. You know, Mike, uh, we've been talking about this all day. You go to the tape, you learn from it. I'm not a fan of the non-aggressive style that Joe Barry has. I, You know, I equated him to Ken Maka, Mike, where – Ken Maka would always explain to me why he does things. And I can understand it. I, I, I get where he's coming from. There's a logic to it. But I never agreed with it. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like the way I feel like Joe Barry. And, you know, veteran broadcaster, been following sports for 25, 30 years. If you don't understand it, probably the 23-year-old athlete doesn't quite get it either. Right. You know, you have yeah. to buy in. You have to buy in. Anyway, you beat the Lions, you beat the Chiefs, and, you know, Joe Barry's safe. You get embarrassed on Monday Night Football by you know a team that was two and eight not so long ago, and Joe Barry's maybe back on the hot seat. I don't know about that. I don't know. What I do know is that Joe tends to be corporate guy, you know, like the guy that you work for that puts out the monthly report and sort of takes credit for everybody's work in the department and everything's fine. Oh, we're we're tracking upwards, right? And so that's when I think of Joe that way. 
when he's standing there talking to about 30 of us in the media auditorium yesterday and says, you know, if we just could change five plays in that game Monday night, we would have beat the Giants. Like, oh, come on, because that's loser talk, you know? Right. That's like that's like you're working for the Chargers. But anyway, that, here's the other thing, though. He was very frank about this one situation. So, so okay, Joe, why was your rookie, why was 37 Carrington Valentine out there in the corner 10 to 12 yards off the line of scrimmage and not up on the Giants' Darius Slayton? From a mindset standpoint, you know, they, they needed a field goal. So you do have to be a little bit more aggressive with your calls in those situations compared to when a team needs a touchdown to beat you. Again, along those lines, from a defense perspective and a running clock, the hardest position to get the call is the corner that's on the furthest side of the field. It's easy if you're playing corner on our sideline. We can yell at them. We can signal. The hardest player to get the call in a running clock two-minute is the corner on the far side of the field. CV did not get the call. So from a mindset standpoint, he's like, hey, I'm going to play off. I'm going to play safe. You know, I'm going to keep everything in front of me. And he gave up a, you know, an eight-yard out route. So he didn't know what the call was. How, how do you not – the one thing they teach you is communication. How do you not relay that to him as a defensive player? You know, it, you're, you're at MetLife. Those Giants fans are just screaming their heads off. There's a little bit of wind in your face, and you're a rookie, and you're laser-focused in on Slayton, and you don't look to your left to see Keyshawn or somebody else or, or your sideline saying, no, 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 we're switching, we're switching. Get up on the line. Get up on the line on him. That's how you miss that. Hmm. And that's how you realize, oh, okay, I got a safety behind me. Okay, great. I'll go up and I'll jam him. Okay. That's how he missed that. And Joe's up there in the box with the headset, right. screaming through the glass. <laughs> trying to get right, Valentine yeah. to get up on the line. Those are the, at least he admitted that kind of mistake, right? right? Yeah. Right. So I thought that was pretty good. Then you got, uh, you know, Jordan Love did not have a great game, so I'm hoping for a bounce-back game this week. And, and the one thing I will say is, and Mike, I gave him credit because he, as bad as it was early on, he showed moxie at the end. And, Bill, uh, Packer fans, let me tell you, this kid's the real deal. I mean – his leadership grows every week. He's smart. He's a smart football player. He's made mistakes. At times, his offensive line has said, yeah, he called the wrong thing. So he's making mistakes. But I, 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 it's an overused word now, but it's true. He's resilient, and he's smart, mm-hmm. and he's going to get better, and he's going to figure this out, and he's going to be more consistent. And the way he played against the Lions and the Chiefs, that said, hey, we got a quarterback. We're good for 2024. We Check off the box for quarterback. We're good. We can draft somebody in the fifth round to compete with Sean Clifford. We're good at quarterback. But the other night, he stunk. I mean, he had four or five balls that were wide left, wide right. There was a heavy wind to start out the night, but you can't blame it on that. you got to figure out how right. to do it. And so we asked, does the confidence in your play play a role in how accurate your balls are sometimes in a game? I think it's a lot of things that go into it. I think it's uh, obviously technique, fundamentals, um, make sure you're doing everything the right way. Um, and then, you know, some part of it is confidence, trust in the receiver, knowing where they're going to be at, um, and obviously seeing the picture right um, from your perspective. So there's a lot of different things that go into it, I think. You know, Mike, the other thing for this week, and I don't know if it's – I don't think it's going to happen, but Christian Watson, when they get him back, it, Watson's not a huge big-time pass catcher, but he certainly is a threat 
that opens up that defense a little bit more to everything else. Long conversation with Christian Watson, too. And again, if you got Watson and Love on the field together, that's the next best Green Bay Packer connection. It's for real. And, and they make each other better. So we talked to Watson about all these other young kids that they've got at wide receivers, how they've been able to become a unit when you're talking about Wicks and you're talking about Reed and these other guys, Malik Heath coming off you know, the undrafted street. Uh, they've become weapons in the NFL games. I think a big part of it was being thrown into roles early on. Uh, I mean, it helps you mature pretty quickly. Um, I mean, last year, you know, me and Rome had to step up and, and you know, play a bigger role early, like just early on. And then, you know, this year we've, we've, we have a young team in general, so uh, those guys are getting thrown into the role early. I think just getting those reps early um, and, you know, having a certain confidence to you, and I think that, you know, a lot of these rookies uh, on the team right now in the wide receiver room have, have that confidence, have that swag to them. Uh, so, I mean, it kind of just helps them to go out there and just be them. But I, mean, I really just think it comes down to being put in that role um, early. And, you know, the more reps that you get, the, the quicker you mature and, and understand, you know, how, how this league goes. That's, you know, when you talk about the reps early, Jaden Reed's certainly been a godsend. And the fact that they've been able to utilize him in the running game somewhat, too, that's why you hope that that ankle injury doesn't really hamper him too much. Yeah, he's been out there trotting around, limited in practice the last day or two. We've been kind of surprised. And I wanted to talk about this. One of the most amazing plays in sports is the toe drag reception in the NFL. Okay, the ball's going to be in the back left-hand corner of the end zone. You're the receiver. You're looking back over your shoulder. Here comes the ball, and now you leap, and your outstretched hands are there, and now you've secured the ball. But now next is you've got to get your feet in before you get out over the sideline. And these guys kick like ballet dancers. They kick while they're in midair. They kick and drag those toes. You can practice that at about half speed, but no one, you can't take an NFL player and have him, okay, jump out in the grass and drag your feet. Let's, let's do mm-hmm. 10 of those today because they're going to get bagged up. They're going to get hurt. So I asked Jaden Reed. He talked about he did this as a kid. How did you ever learn a toe drag catch as a kid before you were too big to practice it? Man, believe it or not, I used to try to do it, like you said, like what just, you know, Growing up, I used to, you know, just drag my feet up on the ground or, you know, before I hit the concrete, it's grass, I try to, like, drag my feet up on the ground or, you know, even in college, my, my coach, you know, tried to coach it up a little bit because he knew, you know, at the next level, you know, you got to get two down. Uh, so he said you might as well be sure. So, you know, now, you know, just doing it, we get reps in practice where, you know, we get individual drills and we go through it. and. It's really just repetition. You do it over and over, you just learn how to get better at it. So you're 11 or 12, and you're finding a good patch of grass and just putting your body on Yes, the yes. So that same kind of feel, really. Um, you know, I watched a lot of YouTube growing up as a child, and, you know, I knew you had to get two feet in, or if you didn't, it didn't count. So, you know, I always tried to work on it. Uh, I always used to go in the front yard, throw the ball around, try to get two feet in, and, you know, make it seem like I was already here. So Ball's going into the left corner of the end zone. You put your hands up, you're focused on grabbing the ball, but it must have be kind of a subconscious thing that the, yeah. the feet take care of themselves. Yeah, so you always got to focus on the ball, catch the ball first, but I, I just think it just comes natural, you know, just dragging your feet up, just making sure you get both down. It's something that uh, even Malik Heath did really well. I mean, uh, he, he did, did the toe tap, the drag, as he went into the end zone the other night on Monday night. Yeah, and I, I've talked to a couple of receivers. It was kind of a – and it's an important topic for them. And, you know, I was talking to LaFleur. Like, I mean, how does your receivers coach, Jason Vrabel, get these guys to brush up on their, their toe drags? 
a lot of that is just an awareness, obviously, of, of you know, talking about it, showing clips, and then going and doing drill work and then being intentional when you're out on the grass, whether it's in drills or whether it's in team, of making sure when you have those situations arise, making sure that you, you do whatever you can to get your feet in bounds. He said he remembers doing it when he was about 11 or 12, watching the NFL. He'd find a nice patch of grass and just throw his body out there. Yeah, he, that's that's part of it. You just got to go through it, and um, I think Brable does a an awesome job with our guys of being really intentional about the drill work that he puts them through, and you know ultimately it's about those guys, uh, you know, being mindful in those situations, and then taking the drill to team and team to game. Uh, let's do this. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Come back, Mike Clemens, wrapping things up with us. Coming up next to the Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Ho, 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 I need a window. Maybe it's cold outside. So where do I go? Ho, ho. Come on, Santa. Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle that stays in my pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why not make a New Year's resolution today? That's the spirit, Santa. Pella now, pay later. Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See show room for details. Offer ends 1231-2020. Good to have you back. Bill Michael's show. Final segment. Reminder. We are going to be at Burkle's one block over immediately following the game coming up on Sunday. And Mike Clemens, as always, brought to you by the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Quiet, cozy, comfortable, just a mile from Lambeau Field. Perfect for that family stay in the Bay Family Restaurant featuring homestyle cooking seven days a week. That's the Bay Motel in Green Bay, South Military Avenue. Call them 920-494-3441 or go online at baymotelgreenbay.com. That's Bay Motel Green Bay. Dot com. Mike, uh, you're kind of looking for some guys maybe to come back this week, some injuries that have been, you know, happening to this team. I, I We've talked a lot about Jair Alexander. If Jair is going to be back at some point, uh, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later, certainly, right? Yeah. I mean, here's the word, too, from the coach today. Uh, doubtful is Christian Watson at wide receiver. Eric Stokes, maybe he gets on this week. Darnell Savage, he's questionable at safety. Quay Walker, questionable. Uh, he's got that groin injury. Wicks at wide receiver and Jair. And, you know, Jair is a funny guy, an entertainer guy. He likes to be the clown. Uh, very talented, uh, but doesn't mind telling when he has those little media scrumps, I'm the best corner in the NFL. And uh, even when someone was asked, you know, at $21 million a year, are you concerned that there's pressure to get back on the field since you're the highest paid corner as well? And you've been out now since November 5th with a shoulder injury when you tried to deflect that pass against the Rams. And he said, yeah, yeah, sure, there's always pressure. But he's saying this with the sunglasses on 
And, you know, you wait a couple of minutes while he goes up and down lockers and pulls out championship belts, and that makes that, you know, part of his armor over, you know, shirtless top. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, you should be taking this a little bit more seriously. And I asked LaFleur about Jair Alexander. When we talk to Jair, he likes to have fun with us, you know, sunglasses and props and things like that. But it's got to have been a frustrating year. How is he when you talk to him about it? Yeah, I mean, I think we're all frustrated about it, to be honest with you. That's it. That's it. And by the way, he was not on the plane for the Giants game. They ruled him out on Sunday. Interesting. Uh, you, got, you know, is, is there more to it, Mike? All I know is this. Uh, he took his shirt off at practice yesterday, and he had a brace on the shoulder. We had not seen that before. Okay. That's, so, and that's well, all and, I know. And you know that, uh, you know, to be a corner in this league, you have to be able to raise your arm, move your arms around. You have to be able to hit. You have to be able to tackle. The shoulder is vital, obviously. But, you know, we've seen other defensive backs use the harness before. I do, do we know what the injury actually specifically was? Was it a, you know, a, a capsule injury? No, it's a, it's a shoulder and then we don't I don't have any other details past that. He won't talk about it. Um and that that's just part of the thing. It's this mystery and it's like is there's is there questions about if there should be treatments, should there be surgeries and but he's got a history of these injuries too dating back 5 years. Yeah. Mike, great stuff. I'll see you at Lambeau come Sunday, pal, okay? Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it, pal. There you go. That's Mike Clemens. Don't forget, we'll be at Burkle's one block over right behind Stadium View immediately following the Packers and the Buccaneers coming up this Sunday. Hope to see you over there. Come over and be a face in the crowd. Say hi. That's it. That'll do it. We made it through the week. Enjoy the football, Grant, you know? Hell yeah. A lot of good stuff. Have a great weekend. Yeah. You too, buddy. There we go. That'll do it. Time for us to go. Have a go.